one of the fascinating things about ancestry is you have tons of ancestors, mind-boggling amount of ancestors. I mean, each generation that you go back, you know, it's two to the whatever power. So if you go back eight generations, it's two to the two to the eighth power, which I think, and someone will write in if I'm wrong, 4,000. Oh, they will write in. <laughs> it's What's the Point from 538. My name is Jody Avergan, and I got married this week, which I mentioned for two reasons. One is to offer what I think is a pretty solid excuse for rerunning an interview that some of you may have heard before. And the other reason is because I'm really excited, and a lot has been on my mind, but I've been thinking a lot about family. Uh, Mine just grew a lot bigger. My family tree linked up with Katie's. Her family is awesome, by the way. And I've been going back to this conversation I had with the writer A.J. Jacobs earlier this year about advances in genealogy. Data is changing genealogy at an incredible rate and changing our notion of what it means to be part of a family and part of a family tree. A video of this interview ran on 538 when we first did it back in the spring, before What's the Point even existed. So some of you may have seen it on the site, but it's never run as a podcast. So we'll play it this week as sort of a rerun. And no significant digit this week either, except, I guess, my left ring finger, which is a particularly significant digit for me right now. Okay, here we go. I'll be back next week with a full new episode, I promise. A.J. Jacobs is here, Esquire, editor-at-large and author of some of my favorite books, uh, The Know-It-All, Drop Dead, Healthy, The Year of Living Biblically, all stacked up here on top of <laughs> Nate Silver's book on our table. But uh, A.J., thanks for coming. Thank to you for having me. Delighted. So we're cousins? Oh, yeah. We are absolutely cousins. And uh, everyone listening is a cousin. And the guy operating the camera and the engineer is a cousin. That's That's the thesis of my new project. Which we is are what? family. Uh, I'm helping to build a family tree of the entire human race. And my family tree, which I didn't create alone, but the family, it's the biggest one out there, which I'm a part of, is not, it's not even a tree. It's a forest. It is mind-bogglingly big. It is 240 million people. That's where you stand right now? That is where we stand on one of them. Another right. one is at 92 million, and another one is at 10 million. But there's, yeah, there's like four or five firms competing to see who can be the first one to build a family tree of the entire world. It's like the space race. So uh, you've been doing this project for about a year, and it's, you know, it's certainly a project about trying to connect you to a lot of different people, but it's also a project about showing kind of the state of genealogy today. And since we're a data website, we're going to talk about the way that data, I think, has really revolutionized genealogy over the last decade or so. And it's kind of happened, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but sort of in two ways, right? One is that DNA sequencing has become much easier. And then the other is there's these massive online Wikipedia style family trees that people can contribute to. That's exactly right. Those are the two driving forces. And as you say, it's a revolution. I mean, it is crazy because it used to be genealogy. You'd, you'd go to the Cleveland courthouse and you'd look it through was some microbes. <laughs> Uh, if it had been I'll a throw, hub, it would have been a lot easier. That's you true. Have to go I'll throw it through Cincinnati. You could yeah. have gone there. Uh, and it was very labor-intensive, and the bar was quite high for entry. But now, because of big data, 
it's really just uh, to me it's the most fascinating topic uh right now because it affects everything in life you know it affects family and sex and history and uh what is the meaning of relatives and inheritance the whole thing so i love it so we'll get to all that stuff but let's start with this revolution in dna sequencing and we actually have a chart that shows exactly where we stand in terms of this dna so this is the cost per genome for sequencing dna over the last uh 13 14 years or so and what you can see is just this amazing drop in terms of cost and i actually recently heard someone describe this as the fastest rate of technological progress in human history. Really? Which I don't know if Gutenberg would have a problem with that <laughs> or not. But it is just this remarkable drop in how much it costs to sequence DNA. The chart starts at $100 million in 2001, and we're now down towards six, seven thousand dollars in 2015. That is if he could have shorted that stock, he would be in a lot. <laughs> yeah, th- it is remarkable. And there are several consumer services where you can pay money to get your genome partially sequenced. Uh, and then there are ones where you get the full one. And I've done it. I've had my genome sequenced. Uh, and it's interesting. I mean, it brings up a lot of privacy issues. I think it may be a huge mistake that I did that and that my children will be <laughs> paying for it forever right. unless Gattaca-like future. But uh, it's, I couldn't resist it. It's fascinating, and uh, I love learning. Right now, it's interesting because the, the sequencing for Ancestry is relatively accurate. There is some science behind it. The sequencing for diseases, as you know, is pretty much right now a little better than astrology because the diseases are so complicated and require so many genes interacting that it's very hard to make uh, reasonable conclusions. And just for people who are looking at this chart, this chart shows the the drop in cost, this you know enormous drop in cost compared to what's called Moore's law, which is this notion that was posited in the mid '60s um, about the size of microchips by an Intel exec who kind of was saying that the amount of information you could put on a microchip was going to double every six months, and that has kind of stayed steady and the, and and that's sort of thought of as like the the bar for rapid rapid progress and this is just blowing that out of the water it is amazing in terms of how much it is i mean yeah in 10 years if it continues it'll be like a buck 50 to get your genome processed so talk about some of that privacy stuff or the kind of like new future this creates not just from a genealogical perspective but are you excited for the point at which everyone will have their full sequencing well i think it's going to be interesting i think it's going to be um partly it's going to be fantastic and partly it's going to be horrible and i don't know which is going to win but <laughs> <laughs> i mean we'll do a follow-up about- podcast I guess. <laughs> well think about it one thing like here's a nightmare scenario there, there was a study in uh, about the monogamy gene, the so-called mm-hmm. monogamy gene, and that if you had it, you had a much higher chance of staying in a marriage, more oxytocin. I don't know how valid that is, but it was a study out there. So imagine that you get your genome sequenced, 
And it's going to be hackable. Everyone's going to be able to see it eventually, I, I believe. It's going right. to be hard to keep secret. So you'll go and you'll see someone at a bar, and with your whatever the future Google Glass is, you'll have facial recognition. You'll say, oh, that guy, he doesn't have the monogamy gene. I'm not going to talk to him. So that's just one small example of how it could affect us in a bad way. In a good way, I mean, it's got amazing potential to for disease prevention and uh, you know the science behind it, figuring out where human migration will have an unprecedented history of the human race. So it's it's exciting and scary. But I wonder if, especially with something like disease, is there an inequality story emerging here i mean it's still something that mostly people who have the money to spend for their sequencing can spend on it it's i suspect mostly in developed countries so are we entering a world where you know the haves can sort of get all this information and the have-nots are left behind it is possible but if if that graph continues then and it's really is a dollar fifty to get your right. genome sequence that might be a democratizing effect but what about the 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 mapping that you're doing in terms of genealogy are you running into that that it feels like we're still sort of operating within the western hemisphere or in sort of uh europe and its descendants or are you f- seeing your map well they do have their own are, I would say it is probably weighted too much towards Europe uh, and European descendants, but there's a great guy who's working for National Geographic who spends his entire life traveling around the world getting DNA from indigenous people uh, so that he can sequence that. And there are some people who have ethical problems with that. Uh, I'm not one of them. I think if we're going to try to map it, the genome, we should map everyone's and not just focus on. What are the ethical uh, objections to that? Honestly, I am not sure, but I think it's like, you know, taking their DNA. I'm, he gets permission, but maybe some people think it's exploiting them. And, right. Right. Um, so let's move on to talk. So we talked about DNA sequencing, the sort of data revolution there. And then there is this other revolution, which is these huge data sets that are coming up. And we have another chart that shows uh, the Genie. Is that the name? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's G-E-N-I correct. is a, is a website, is a company, Genie.com, that I know you've relied on a bunch for your research. But they are trying to build the world family tree. And when I took the screenshot of this uh, world family tree, they had done 91,756,170 profiles had been connected to each other. Right. And I'm one of those profiles. Barack Obama is one of them. Lady Gaga, Abe Lincoln. You're just bragging. (laughs) I am and I am not because, you know, you could, if you spent like two hours, you could be one of them too. And you could say you have Barack Obama as your as your close personal cousin. <laughs> and well, we, we'll actually talk about you, your connection to the president soon. But right here, you could see the size of the world family tree and its rate of growth since 2010 as they've been building it. But I'm actually surprised a little bit by how steady it's been because you'd think that what would happen is you would have these, these trees, one sitting over here and one sitting over here, and then all you're looking for is a way to connect to these two huge data sets, these huge trees, and then you sort of take an exponential leap. But this looks like just kind of steady. I know. It is interesting. I thought that it would grow faster as well um, because it's exactly what you describe. You find if there's an A.J. Jacobs, who's a fourth cousin on some tree in uh, in Bulgaria, and then A.J. Jacobs in my tree, we figure out, is that the same person? 
and then if it is, then you can combine, just like you say. So it snow, it should, you know, it, it grows and grows and grows. Uh, I think one of the holdups is that they are concerned with accuracy, which is very hard. So they have what are called forest rangers, which is like a, a little community of genealogists who's trying to check to make sure the connection. This really is correct. like Wikipedia. It's absolutely very very similar and that's what gives me a little optimism that that it will be relatively accurate because you remember when wikipedia started everyone's just thought it was a joke you know they're going to say oh paul revere is a you know a bassist in an emo band and who's going to stop him and the same concern is here with many traditional genealogists that it'll just be a free-for-all but uh if you have a community policing it then I think uh, it could be really interesting. But you trust these forest rangers? I do, but I don't trust the tree 100%. I mean, the tree is uh, some parts of it are very well documented, and there's lots of uh, marriage certificates and DNA backing it up. But other parts are just fantasy. I mean, they're right. uh, my line I goes, mean, someone could go in there and – you know, Wikipedia style, say, oh, I'm, uh, you know, two degrees removed from Lady Gaga, and then it's just a matter of one of these forest rangers coming along and fact-checking that and saying, no, sorry, you're not? Well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, when you try to merge something, there are a lot of people who have to go right. give it approval. Uh, but, yeah, I think the the farther you go back, it's more of a... Uh, a time distance problem because the farther you go back the hazier it becomes and these go back you know i trust maybe the first eight generations depending on the part of the tree but after that it just gets into fan you know i go directly back to king david he's my 97th great great grandfather so but do i really believe that no you don't believe it I mean, it's possible, right. but they, but Jeannie told you. But do, will we get to a point where we can actually verify that? I think only if we're able to do it with DNA. If someone's right. able to find a descendant of King David, who, and we can find his DNA, but otherwise, no. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it is possible because one of the fascinating things about ancestry is you have tons of ancestors, mind-boggling amount of ancestors. I mean, each generation that you go back, does it? It doubles. doubles. Yeah. And not quite because there's a lot of marriage between among cousins. Oh, I see. So it doesn't quite double. But even still, it is an enormous amount. So if you go back, you know, it's two to the whatever power. So if you go back eight generations, it's two to the two to the eighth power, which I think, and someone will write in if I'm wrong, 4,000. No, oh, they will write in. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and the same thing the other way, the number of descendants. If you if you do have kids and they, they have kids, it's going to, you know, in eight generations, right. I'm going to have our, the chances of our descendants, so one of our descendants marrying one of your your, my descendants marrying your descendants is very high. Like we are going to be in-laws through our descendants. The further out we go. Yeah. So let's talk about your project in particular and this goal to – I mean when you say I want to connect me to everyone in the world, I, that's a great line. But how realistic is that? 
Well, it's very realistic if you go sideways. If you go back, try to go back to the scientific Adam, who was about 150,000 years ago, that's going to be hard without DNA. But sideways, that's what opens it up. What do you mean, sideways? I mean by marriage, cousins-in-law. So I may not be blood cousins with Barack Obama that I know of, but I am blood, I am by marriage, um, and everyone else, too, almost on Earth. You can find, like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, like George Clooney. Um, I have to look it up, but he's something like my aunt's fifth great uncle's husband's wife's niece's fourth great nephew's wife. So it's this... It's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, a little more than six degrees, but it's this uh, this line that you just follow, and it is a real connection. And I love that. I just love the idea that you can connect any two people through these real familial relations. So I think we have a visualization of one of these connections. I think a, a reader of yours uh, kind of built, and you know, as we're looking at it now, this is zoomed out as this massive tree. But I, I, I guess what's happening here, and there's all sorts of famous people in here, Charles Darwin's in here, and Bob Dylan's in here, Helen Kelly, you know, all, all these faces you see are, are, are notable people. But this really shows how you go sideways and back in time and then sideways again. And it really is this sort of like bouncing back and forth and up and down. That's it. And this was done by uh, one of the volunteers for my project, the Global Family Reunion. And he lives in Norway. His name is Niels Hansen. He's fantastic. So you, and you're related to him. And of course. Of course. Of yeah. course. I forget how, but yeah. <laughs> But he took it upon himself to do what he calls the Global Family 100, take 100 of the most influential people of all time and figure out how they're all connected on this tree. So and it's what, a great what visual. What kind of program did he use? I mean, do you know how he actually did this? He used uh, the Genie program that you mentioned, uh, but also Wikitree, mostly these collaborative online sites. There's a few of them, Mocavo, Wikitree, Family Search. Um, and yeah, using those, you can figure it out. It's, it's really and, remarkable. And I mean, I mean if, if you do it, if you go on, you will waste like a week <laughs> of your life just like plugging in all of your heroes and enemies and figuring out how you're related to them. So in this, right, and we're going to zoom in on this in a sec, but in this, you know, when he's trying to wend his way among these top 100 people, is he kind of building out, okay, here's the Abraham Lincoln vertical, and then I have the Prince vertical over here, and now I need to search for a way to connect them? Or is he just kind of wandering around and hoping that he'll just Go no, down I a think, dead end, back up, go down another. I think that's it. He goes and see. I mean, the the thing is that this chart could be done in probably 8 billion different ways. Right. So there, this is just one way all these people are connected. So I think that made it a little easier for him because he could just say, all right, how is Winston Churchill connected to uh, Judge Judy? And then he can... Right. Uh, do that. But if he decided to go some other way, he does that. And then when we zoom in to the end of this chart, well, lo and behold, there you are, A.J. Jacobs, right after Vincent Van Gogh, Eva Perone, Che Guevara, Quincy Jones, and you. That seems like – that oh. actually is the answer to that question if you could have a dinner party with um, – <laughs> but again, you know, one of the things I think is really fascinating about a chart like this and just this process is that you you just – you time travel, right? You jump across, but then immediately you're four generations back and then you're across and you're back to the present and you kind of have to move 
back and forth and back and yeah, forth. Yeah, I love And I'll tell you, it is one of the greatest tools for getting my kids interested in history because when I tell them about Albert Einstein, here's how we're connected. We're, you know, 14 steps away from Albert Einstein. Now he's not some dead old white guy with crazy hair. He's Uncle Albert. So it actually is a good educational tool. Do you think, I, I, I know you explained how your ancestors actually grow because of, of these sideways connections, but did you get any glimpse of we're all going back to the same original small group of humans in this process? Oh, yeah. I mean, scientifically, that's for sure. We uh, Scientists talk about, they talk about Y-chromosomal atom and mitochondrial Eve, and they lived about 150,000 years ago. Uh, they were on the paleo diet, uh, and the, <laughs> but they were uh, they didn't necessarily live at the same time, and there were hundreds of other people, Homo sapiens, who were around them. But these are the two human beings whose DNA has continued and is in all of us. We all have a little bit of these two people's DNA in us. They are all, so they are our common ancestor. They are our great, 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 and then if I kept saying that for about five minutes, grandparents, that's who they are. And I love that. I mean, to me, that's it's an obvious fact, but it's also a profound one, and it really does shift my perspective that we are all this cliche that the 60s cliche, the family right. of humans, family of man. It's real. It's scientifically real. And now we can see how specifically we are related to everyone else on Earth. But that gospel of DNA or that gospel of we're all, we're all one can be a little dangerous, right? Because it sort of covers over the fact that there are cultural differences and even genetic differences that should be celebrated and acknowledged. Well, it's interesting. I, I That's a very good point. But I think that our differences maybe are a little – we obsess too much about the differences and we forget that we do share 99.9 percent of our DNA with any uh, with the farthest human on Earth. I mean that is a pretty serious overlap. One last slide here and of course I think you did kind of what – Everyone will do when they go to this website, which is say, how far away am I from Barack Obama? And here you are, you to Barack Obama. And we don't have to read the full thing, but it's um, – Well, you, I'll tell you. It's yeah. my aunt's fifth great aunt's husband's father's wife's seventh great nephew. That's <laughs> my, my cousin Barack. So I thought, you know, I want to get like – it's a little late in the game, but if I found this out earlier, I could have gotten an ambassadorship to Aruba. Um, but – so how many – do you know how many steps this is again? Uh, I, I think it was about 21, uh, but I'll have to count. It's ba- But again, it is through marriage. It is right. my my mother's brother married a woman who had very waspy, Mayflower-like background, and Obama on his mother's side is very waspy. When you first did this, were you surprised by how long of a path it was? Did you think you'd be closer? Well, the first time I started to do it, uh, I was just delighted because it's like it, it's almost like a punchline how far you are from people, and the fact that they can find this link is just uh, uh, delightful. But uh, he is sort of in the middle. I have people who are much closer. I have people who are much farther. Who, who was a, a, a surprise that you were really close to them? 
Well, there's a woman who is uh, who is on the Big Bang Theory. She's Maya Bialik. I think that's how you say your name. Okay. She was Blossom, a TV actress, and she's a scientist. You know, it turns out I'm actually quite close to her genetically as well as on the tree. And Mila Kunis. This was mm-hmm. interesting. Mila Kunis and I share the same haplogroup, which is a, uh, a DNA, like a little branch of DNA. I'll tell you, this was one of the highlights of my life is, uh, is that in a Reddit AMA, they asked her who was her favorite author. And she said it was me and Mitch Album were tied. Wow. So, uh, and, you know, I that's a, I'm that's not. Okay. Yeah, he's big. He's very successful. Yeah. You talked about these sideways connections and, we, you know, looking at the at the Obama path. Uh, how much does the changing family structure affect the world of genealogy? I mean, people are, you know, maybe marrying less or certainly later. They're having fewer kids. Uh, is that is that a shift? Oh, yeah. And not just that. I think there's a more radical shift because you've got gay marriage sperm donorship. Uh, You've got the UK just legalized so-called three-parent children where you can take the DNA from a third party to swap out the disease DNA. So in in the future, our family trees are going to be crazy complicated. I embrace it. I think it's fascinating. But it is definitely not going to be the simple man. Are the the data sets... Uh, ready for that? No, I don't. I mean, no, definitely not. Uh, and think of it when they go beyond three parents, you're going to have, right. you know, four, 20 parents. It's going to be some serious computing power that you're going to need, uh, which is fascinating. I think it'll be, uh, I'm all for it. And what about clones, which I do think will happen in, you know, 30 years? How are you going to represent those? Cousin AJ, thanks for coming. Thank you, Cousin Great to see you. That was fun. You can find a video of my conversation with AJ Jacobs on our website, 538.com slash podcasts. What's the Point's editor is Chadwick Matlin. Our video producer is Ryan Nantel with help from Jordan Shulkin. We have a new intern, Sarah Patterson. Welcome to 538 and thank you. Joel Werner helped mix and produce this episode. My name is Jody Avergan. You can email me podcasts at 538.com. Our music is by Rishikesh Hirway, who also hosts the Song Exploder podcast, one of our favorites. Check it out on iTunes, and while you're there, look up What's the Point, give us a rating and a review. It really does help others discover the show. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Hello, What's the Point listeners? I'm Chadwick Matlin. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Neil Payne. And together we make up the crew of Hot Takedown, 538 Sports Podcast. Kate, how would you describe the show if you had to do it in like five seconds? It's freaking awesome. Okay, Neil? We take down hot takes. Look at that. That's sort of the title. Good point. (laughs) So if you want to hear us talk about the week in sports news and what people are talking about in an uninformed way and hear about the data and the stats and the analytics that take them down, subscribe in the iTunes store, search for Hot Takedown to find us. 
We'll talk to you then. Do it. <laughs>